Welcome to the Truth Map Podcast with me, Holly J, your resident psychological comedian and freelance philosopher. As a specialist in human behavior and volitional motivation, I help you figure out why you do what you do. Like why you open up the fridge just to stare at it, or why you text your ex back when you know he's gaslighting you, or why you open your phone to check the time, just to scroll Instagram, just to turn off your phone, just to realize you still need to know what time it is. We'll break down human behavior in ways you've never seen before and unlock the power of the physics of emotioning theory developed by one of our founders, Dr. Michael Lukens. And hopefully, if I do my job right, we'll have some laughs along the way. doing a countdown on your end too no it's just recording oh okay all right (laughs) now we're live awesome (laughs) okay so i am here with michelle uh from rewire and inspire which by the way i just i absolutely love that name i'm like a sucker for great brand names so that one is like oh it's so good um and so we're basically just going to talk a little bit about goals and nutrition and body image um, and go into her story a little bit so we can, you know, hopefully inspire some of the people who listen to this um, to kind of pursue their best self with for the right reasons, if that makes sense. So, uh, Michelle, why don't you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Thanks, Holly. It's so good to be here and finally meet you. We've been following each other. We were just talking about this for a couple of years yeah. and uh, trying to like rack our brain on how exactly we came into connection. But that's just how the universe works. Sometimes you don't know why. And at the same time, they just place people in your life in situations that you just need. So mm-hmm. uh, for my background, so I coined myself a mindful body coach. And what that really means is taking a mindful approach to fitness, nutrition, and not only your physical well-being, but your holistic well-being, meaning your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. So I really help primarily high-achieving women de-stress and rewire what's not working in their life so that they can ultimately live out their truth. So what you were just saying. So there are a lot of programmings that come up in our, in our lives for whatever reason that get wired into our brain and our, actually our body that lead us on this certain path around what we're led to believe, the thoughts that we think, and ultimately the actions that we take. So I really help women rewire that to align with they are not the stuff that they've been fed their entire life and led to believe. So really practicing mindful tactics like, yes, meditation, but also breathing, bringing awareness to how you're eating and how you're feeling when you eat and after you eat, how you're moving your body. And again, just taking that holistic approach to overall well-being, not just physical health and how you look. So my story really started, I was in technology for a while. So I went to the University of Florida go Gators, uh, majored in information systems, and then worked in the corporate and startup tech space for about eight years. So this is part of my story of being programmed to think that this career path would somehow magically create happiness and success and all of the great things that I dreamed of in my life. And through all of that, I experienced a lot of stress, a lot of overwhelm, severe unfulfillment, and like I was just wandering through life. 
So after about eight years, I decided to pursue my passion for wellness. And as a millennial, I was kind of fed these beliefs that following your passion and being an entrepreneur is going to make you happy and give you freedom and everything's just going to magically work out. So I tried it and I worked in juice bars. I was a personal trainer for a period of time, kind of like aimlessly searching for this like happiness and somehow came across coaching and really thrived in helping people discover, again, their own truth. So even at juice bars, you know, like they would come to me like, what do you recommend I do? Like, I want to lose this weight. Like, what should I drink? And and what should I eat? And, and I would just help them. And this has just evolved over the past few years to be this more life coaching now, again, to where we can start to heal from the inside out. So taking that external conditional happiness that I was living for so long and now turning within to really discover where that happiness comes from for me rather than what I've programmed and wired to believe for whatever reason throughout my life. So that's really what now I focus on helping people do. It's, it's so interesting. I didn't know you were in the uh, startup and corporate world. So yeah, really cool. especially like, obviously I'm, I'm a tech entrepreneur and uh, but we don't like to brand ourselves as a tech company. We're like, we're more of a problem solving company. We just have to use mm. tech because that's what people are using, you know? Um, but that. it really is very stressful. And the entrepreneurial path is not something that like nothing actually works out. I just want everybody to know that 100% of the time, nothing works out. Something else ends up working out that you didn't even plan for. But just know that 100% of the time, nothing is going to work out. Yeah, yeah. It'll end up I... doing something completely different. But I love that you kind of like pivoted when you realized that it was really affecting you as a, as a person and your life in general. Mm-hmm. A lot of the problems people have, no matter what it is, eating issues, addiction, just acting out, like failure to launch syndrome, whatever it is, self-sabotaging, uh, it really does stem from this inability to let go of mm. the, the, the things that they're committed to, the beliefs and the values. And, and the, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Four Agreements, but... Um, oh, yes. Yes, and the, the motto and how... Like, basically, you think about everybody in the world and culture and everything is like just a swarm of mosquitoes in your ears, just Mm -hmm. telling you how to be, who to be, what you have to do to get there. And I mean, if you don't have anybody filtering that, then how are you supposed to know what is and isn't the path to happiness or what is and isn't your internal truth? Exactly. We, like to, we like to say that truth map is like a Brita filter for your mind because like we help you kind of filter things out that you've been fed, you know, prior exactly. to working with us. And I think exactly. that you do a lot of the same thing and, you know, really that rewire or whatever it's filtering. It's the same concept of let's just get the gunk out of your head that you didn't even might not even know you is like there that you're committed to. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Brilliant. So I think uh, one of the first questions I had told you I was going to ask was like a little bit about your personal story with um, like your struggles with nutrition or with your own body um, image issues. Because I, you know, I know we were saying earlier, the the way we met was through um, a beauty pageant that I did. I competed for Miss Florida USA in like 2017 and you did uh, fitness pageants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those are like that's a cutthroat industry. And I learned that the hard way. (laughs) It really is. So so go ahead and tell me what your experience was like with that. Yeah, sure. Um, So 
my, I guess, struggles with food and body image started really probably in college um, when I was really, again, trying to search for who am I, where am I meant to be. Um, These struggles with nutrition and fitness primarily started in college because I was beginning to realize that how I nourished my body or didn't, slept, worked out, moved my body, directly impacted my performance actually in school. So at the time I was very like head-driven, success equaled straight A's and getting this certain type of job, like I shared, this career path would make me happy. But I started to make that correlation between physical fitness and how I was performing in school. So I started exploring that. But at the same time, I was feeling all of these external pressures because in my heart, you know, retroactively looking at it, in my heart and soul, I knew the path that I was meant to lead. So there was this conflict going on internally, and I wasn't really aware of it. I just knew it didn't feel good. Something was off. And the way that I learned to cope with that was through fitness. So I work out really hard in the gym. I would be really strict with my food because it gave me this false sense of control when things felt chaotic. And underneath, subconsciously, I felt like ultimately I was just on this path for the sake of being on this path. So it became really noticeable that I would start to binge when I was stressed out and then turn around and exercise super hardcore out of guilt and shame for what I had done in terms of eating. Mm -hmm. But all the while, this was my coping mechanism. This is how I was dealing with the stress. So after college, that's when I first did one of my first bikini competitions. And like you said, (laughs) it's literally defined on comparison and people's random opinions of whether you're good enough or worthy of this distinguishment and trophy. And so that pressure just built up, built up, built up. And over the course of a couple more competitions, I just, it just got worse. That compiled with you did a couple of them, didn't you? I only did one and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I think it's four. Wow. One, one, two, three, five, five. So it, it really kind of amplified though when I was in my professional career. And it was like really in my face that I was not living the life that. I wanted to live. My relationships were deteriorating and on edge all the time and not knowing how to deal with it, that I was hiding my eating behind closed doors, um, really exploding at, you know, the people near to me. So whether it was my family or my boyfriends at the time, just really exploding, not, not knowing how to deal emotionally with the subconscious, like more spiritual stuff that was going on. So it really escalated um, the biggest one was I qualified for nationals and I remember sitting backstage and just being in the zone, like putting my headphones on, like sitting under a desk by myself, not talking to anyone and just taking in my environment of how externally focused everyone backstage was and how much pressure they were putting on themselves and this overarching energy of just panic. <laughs> panic and and I'm just not good enough. Yeah. Nitpicking every single little thing. Mm-hmm. 
You can feel the self-esteem damage in the room. It's like palpable. Exactly. Exactly. And when I, when I didn't place, I walked off the stage and just fell apart. And for about the next two years was like the height of the eating size purging and really making myself sick physically, to be honest. Um, because to me, the physical pain was easier to deal with and felt more in control than the emotional mental pain that I was mm-hmm. dealing with. It's crazy how how much control we want as human beings. And I mean, we will go to the ends of the earth. And, you know, Dr. Lukens, the, our founder, he says the thing we're all, um, the, the pain of death, the thing we're trying to avoid is the very thing we're killing ourselves for. Mm. And we're, you know, we're trying to live our lives um, in some with some semblance of control. And that's what leads to all of our sort of our damaging behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's crazy to think that, you know, you could, you could even, and I'm sure you were aware at the time, like, obviously you are on some level aware of the damage it's doing to yourself because you knew you had to hide it from friends and family who would be concerned about you. But it's so crazy how we're able to, we're able to lie to ourselves and then cover up that cover up Mm -hmm. and just keep moving through life and keep doing the exact same thing with really no understanding of why. Mm -hmm. But it really does come down to like, you know, and I've struggled with this too. And even, even being as like, uh, consciously aware and just full of self-knowledge, I can still succumb to like a few per- periods or pockets of time, like a few days at a time where I'm like pushing myself and then I have to be like, no, wow, like step back. You did something that you wouldn't have done had you just like given yourself what you knew you needed two days ago, which is a break. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you, you stepped back, you know, which I think, again, like I, I praised you earlier for it. That's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> Truly. And it's, it's an ongoing process. I mean, oh, always. it's, I, I took the perspective as I've, I've developed in this journey spiritually as well, mm-hmm. that that's a part of who I am, but it doesn't have to be my truth in every moment of every day. It's, that's good. it's that part of me that brought me here and created who I am in, in this reality. So loving that version of me, like loving her and seeing her for what she is. And she shows up sometimes. And I actually call her Melissa. I'm like, well, oh, Melissa, I love it. Like, that's amazing. I acknowledge Melissa. And sometimes people even call me Melissa accidentally. I'm like, Ooh, like check in. Am I operating from Melissa right now? The, yeah. Like, It's just, how are we showing up in each moment more? Mm-hmm. So once I started taking that approach, things, things shifted a little bit because you don't have to own that reality all the time. You don't have to yeah. own that as your truth anymore. No, it's so true. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head where you, you said like, you can love, love that version of you, um, that dark side, that shadow self, you, you can. Um, and really what people lack when it comes to the understanding of self-love is that like love and like are two different concepts mm. and you can you, you have to have self-love first, no matter what you don't like about yourself, because the things you don't like about yourself will in turn be things you're able to more readily fix if you come from that first level of self-love. Like, mm-hmm. Love is 
There's no such thing as unconditional liking. Liking itself, <laughs> you, you, it, liking means something met the criteria that meant that you. It was conditional. It. Yeah, yeah, conditional. So they are different, and so your your love for yourself shouldn't be. And if you do set conditions, then it's not love. And then everything kind of falls into place from there. Not that it's not hard work once you kind of reach that self love place, but it's people tend to think that, you know, when I reach that body, that point in of that body, that image that I see for myself, then I'll love myself. Or when I get the white picket fence and the husband, then I'll like, you know, love exactly. myself. Or, you know, maybe when the, when the job promotion comes through, those are all conditions. And mm-hmm. that's what's keeping a lot of people stuck. Exactly. Yep. Yep. The conditions tied to expectations of how that condition should look or how I should operate in result of setting those conditions for myself. So yeah, you hit it on the head for me, especially in terms of conditional happiness based on external factors of success, like the job, the boyfriend, the the even place I lived, I lived in a lot of different places as well. I held, I've held a lot of different jobs. I should have counted before I came on, but it's probably close to 20 jobs, always reaching and searching to create this joy and this happiness where it stems from within. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Um, so did you, what, it's, this isn't one of the questions I had kind of shot off to you before uh, we spoke, but did you end up coming to some sort of DIY approach to, to shifting your mindset or did you find yourself a coach as well? It was all of the things. So I've always been fascinated with psychology and personal development I remember driving to UF back in the day and listening to Tony Robbins uh, CDs in my car. So I've always been intrigued by that world. Um, so it's, it's always been a part of me reading the books and all of that. But when I hit some lows, especially physically, and I was just sick and tired all of the time, um, I started turning outward for some help not in the conventional sense of like a physician, but more of the non-traditional approaches. I actually found a chiropractor. He was more non-conventional, took a holistic approach. And I don't remember the method that he used, but it was more or less like moving parts of your body, like very gently to understand the nervous system and where your body was holding on to these emotions and these energies that weren't serving you. So he could sense imbalances just by like lifting my feet up as I laid on the table, Hmm. asking me questions. So based on where the imbalance was asking me questions about whatever that feeling was, like, what are you feeling around guilt right now? And something would just pop in my head. He would coach me through some breathing help my body relax. So still taking, in my mind, a very physical approach, but introducing Mm -hmm. the non-physical aspect into it because I was so heavily physical. Mm -hmm. I, at the same time, knew there was more that I, I wasn't aware of. And he beautifully like tied the two together um, to, yeah, to really help me with breathing techniques, being more aware of how my body was holding on to these energies and, and emotions. And um, he wasn't officially a coach by any means, but definitely sent me on this path of more mindful living, meditation, 
and all of that. I'd love that. I'd love to get his information. Is he local here? Or was he was. He, he just moved to oh. Tennessee, but he still practices and he does virtual practices too. So it's, his name is Dr. Hyde. Love it. <laughs> And um, his practice is Sozo Wellness. So he was. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop it right now. I think my old roommate saw him for sleep. Yep. Sleep issues. He had an office. I so weird. I literally just drove past. I used to live in the building where he rented his right office space was below it. Yes. Yeah. And I drove yeah. past it maybe the, maybe like a month ago, six weeks ago. And I was in the storefront and the branding was no longer there. And I was like, Oh God, I hope he didn't go out of business because of the pandemic. But now I'm so glad I figured out what happened to him. There me. you go. He helped, he helped my, my roommate so much. She had such like bad sleeping issues. So something I had like, I had had a conversation with Dr. Lukens prior to this. So he and so his wife specifically specializes in eating disorders. And um, he, so he has done a lot of work around that. So emotional eating, mm -hmm. binging, bulimia, anorexia. And um, so he's, his, his approach to like helping people with those issues is that like, he doesn't differentiate between like an alcoholic and a person who is bulimic because really it's not mm -hmm. an, an addiction at the end of the day. It's their form of acting out for various reasons that, you know, are internal so he, so he, do, he dove into some interesting insights that I thought I would share with you. Um, so, you know, if you could name all the emotions you think that a, a person with an eating disorder, and that covers all, you know, everything on the spectrum, mm -hmm. uh, which emotions are like root causes? Mm -hmm. Would you just say shame and guilt or is there anything else there that you think exists? An emotion. For me, there was a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. which always covers up some level of sadness. So that was a large part as well. So I remember my first experience with a therapist when I was 17 and she handed, I still have the book um, about anger. And as a 17 year old, you don't know what you're talking about. No way. I am not angry. I'm a nice, happy person in general, yeah, right. but underneath it, anger. So, mm -hmm. um, definitely. It's definitely one of them. Definitely. That passive aggressiveness. Yep. So he, he, he kind of touched on that. And there was another one that like, um, to me, it hadn't, wasn't readily apparent to me if he'd given me some time to figure it out, but disgust as well. Hmm. So like in reality, you know, the anger issue is, it could be for a variety of reasons. The disgust idea is that what he, what he noticed from just his experience with the clients mm -hmm. and even according to the CDC is how many uh, people with specifically um, bulimia and anorexia mm -hmm. um, or who are obese have had a majority of them, not all of them have had uh, sexual abuse in childhood. And really what it comes down to is this concept of my body is disgusting mm -hmm. because of the molestation as a young child. And so you have like this kind of like split in the road where, okay, how does this one uh, approach it? Well, the person who decides to become anorexic is so disgusted with their body and now they have that shame component. They are looking to keep their body as childlike as possible mm -hmm. because they're coming into that preteen stage of um, sexuality where they're interested in sex, 
but that's tied to the molestation. And so what do I do? Oh, uh, well, I can create a body that I exist in that is childlike so that men my age won't be attracted to me because I don't really want to have sex, but I am interested. So my body still is almost like pixie fairy like mm -hmm. looking, that makes sense then the bulimic uh person is kind well the the person who's obese has decided that if i make my body look disgusting to the outside world then no one will be interested in me and i'll be safe mm -hmm. and they usually have this uh, this feeling of um like tough person like i could take on anything like tough exterior type of uh vibe and then the, the person in the middle who is bulimic is kind of cheating because they're not wearing their their uh, feelings on their sleeve, so to speak. They're not their body isn't showing to the world yeah. what is going on internally. Yeah. And when he kind of split that up in three for me, I it blew my mind because it really is like, you know, why would there be a split in the road? Why would someone be anorexic over bulimic, over obese and emotional eating? And it's just more coping mechanisms and then they just break down into different dichotomies. Yeah. No, that's great. I haven't and, heard it broken down like that at all. And the anger part of it is like he really touched the, touched on contempt and how mm. how you know not a lot of men have eating disorders. Yes, they have body image issues where yeah. like we need to have a six pack. I'm gonna go to the gym. Like, but they don't they don't have the same rate of anorexia and you know bulimia um, as uh, women do. And really, what it comes down to is men when they get contempted upon like whether it was molestation as a young child or just bullied or whatever mm -hmm. it is, men dump on other people. They contempt outward to other people and women contempt on themselves. Inward, yeah. Yeah. So we contempt upon our own bodies, even if we are not the, the you know, the root cause of it, it we, we're never going to dump on other people, but men do. That's why men are more violent. The ah. rate of like domestic violence is up on your body. And then a woman is like, I'll, Beat up on my own. Yeah. And how do you do that? Wow. Crazy. Wow. Right? Yeah. And that right there is like, again, it's just more of the, um, even just stepping away from the shame of it. Cause everyone knows that there's shame there, but to break it down to even like a, almost like a DNA level mm -hmm. of emotional template really gives you so much insight. Yeah. No, that's great. I haven't thought of it like that. And I'm sure you have a lot of clients that come to you. Like, do you kind of try and decipher somebody's intentions when they come to you uh, to work with you? Like, yeah. to see if they're really doing it for the right reasons or if they're interested in. Well, I attract a lot of women, again, from the fitness and nutrition side of things. Um, really seeing how motivated I am at the gym and just having exposure to me personally, especially with my with my online presence. So the expectation typically is do you write diet plans? Do you write workout plans? Just tell me what to do so I can have this body. So it's still very much that. So the way that I, I get to decipher is a little bit of digging in terms of, again, just how driven are they and dedicated to finding a solution? Are they open-minded to exploring options beyond diet and exercise to to see other perspectives and insights because the diet culture especially has again contributed to the wiring of calories in calories you eat this work out harder eat this not that good bad cheat day cheat meal all of these things so i have to be very mindful of 
again, you said, what, what is your true intention behind desiring the change and how willing and open-minded are you to exploring other avenues? Because you kind of do that thing that Dr. Hyde does where it's like, okay, yeah, let's get you on a nutrition plan, but let's gently introduce Mm -hmm. the concept of like, okay, why do you want to be on a nutrition plan and what's driving you there, which is brilliant. Exactly. I do a lot of that work too, just undercover. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that stage, you don't know what you don't know. You just know that you don't feel good and something needs to change. So it really comes down to how coachable, open-minded someone is to, and patient, (laughs) to making time to work through the mess because like it really is a mess of things that we have to filter through and get down to the nitty gritty of who am I at the root level um, when I strip away all the BS stuff that I've been fed my whole life, not only around food and body, but around worthiness, around meaning in life and true connection to myself and others. And, you know, all of the things that comprise of well-being, not just physical health. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's so true. Um, you know, I was I was thinking. So when I decided to contact you and see if you wanted to come on and do this podcast, um, I wanted to kind of explore something for myself that um, I don't like. I I don't know if it's because I grew up outside of the country and because my parents also. I mean, they were dropped into the middle of Haiti with out knowing how to speak Creole in the 80s. So they were like 24 when they went Mm -hmm. there. And then like the Dominicans. So like they lost their entire young adulthood. So, and they had really, really traumatic upbringing. So Mm -hmm. exercise has never been a thing in my family Mm -hmm. at all, ever. We're not like a nutritious family. We're not an exercise family. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea when I came back to the States that like I had to like run track at at high school here. I I, I realized that like, so now my, my boyfriend is, he used to be um, a semi-pro baseball player. And so mm. he's just nutrition focused and, you know, athletic and all of that. Yeah. And he's over here like, why do you have six tablespoons of sugar in your coffee right now? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and one of my realizations through, you know, with dating him is that like, I've always, I've always been on and off with exercise. Mm. It's like, you know, maybe, maybe six months of, of that year, I was really okay. Like, I'll do it. I'll double down. I'll work out like fine. Mm-hmm. I've never had any drive to like have a particular type of body except for when I was competing for Miss Florida. And then I, when I was thinking through all of this about talking to you about it, I, re- I remembered that when I was maybe uh, 12, I, I Googled, because we just got internet at my house. <laughs> I Googled um, diet, like diets to help you lose weight in 10 days or something like that. And I came up with something on the internet called the watermelon diet, where like, you're just supposed to eat watermelon for 10 days. And I tried to do it. I'm 12 years old doing this. Like I did the last 48 hours. But can you imagine that? And uh, it really, really um, became apparent to me that like exercise is not a part of my experience of living. So it's not something I find important. Mm. So it really, it's not even, it's not even just um, the idea that, that it's like the culture or, you know, it's emotions driven and the intentions behind it. You have to also layer in that experience of living. Thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you do for a client who just doesn't have that experience or was never a goal that was important to their parents and, and their family? Yeah. I always, try to even look at exercise as more movement. So 
exercise, even the word, like you get a vision of what that means, right? Like you said, like running track or lifting weights in the gym or doing the home workout class or what a CrossFit or whatever it is, there's some kind of visualization that goes with that. So working on that perspective of movement and having a different relationship with that and tying kind of the reward, if you will, to something different. So to move my body, if it means for me time to listen to my favorite podcast and get out in the sunshine, which are things that I do enjoy doing Mm -hmm. and just walk while I do it, then I'm naturally tying an association with a different type of reward or different type of enjoyment activity rather than like for the sake of exercising or to look this certain way or because I know I should. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's always exploring with those clients, how they define it. First of all, how they visualize and and tie some meaning to it, working to rewire that and shift that to relate it to a different kind of reward mechanism. Um, It doesn't have to, like for me, I love the gym, but I also love yoga. Some people like yoga is your movement and your body responds well to that. And so it's, it's discovering throughout your life too, it could shift. Like, what do I need in this moment to feel more alive rather than mm-hmm. I should do it for the sake of doing it? Mm-hmm. I think, so that's something I told my boyfriend when we were discussing, like starting to go to the gym together. I told him that like the only times I've ever been really interested in uh, a, a routine of exercise was when it was tied to some sort yep. of secondary goal. Now, you know, not not necessarily enjoyment, but like um, it was almost like um, exercise and my and what my body looks like or how healthy my body is has never been a primary goal for me, and it's so hard to commit to that. But like commit committing to some other goal that could be brought about because of it is also a good way to kind of yeah. circumvent your own. Yeah, no, and even watching. Like even as you're talking about it, the words that you use, the story that you tell yourself about it keeps you, keeps you wired to that, right? Like it, it, that's, that's what I've come to identify with. So what would feel more empowering to say about it? And what would help me create habits that allow me to feel physically better? Because at the end of the day, if I feel physically better, I can operate mentally, emotionally, spiritually aligned and more elevated and more conscious. So also exploring that relationship too. It's not just about the physical. It's, you know, how you can show up differently and more elevated in terms of emotions and mental capacity through the physical feeling better. One of the the funniest things like um, I ever did to kind of try to motivate myself to exercise was a couple of years ago. I lived down the road from an ex-boyfriend. And so I would jog down that highway on purpose. There you go. I was committed to exercising at that point in time because I wanted him to see me looking good running down the highway when he would get home. I would make sure it would be like around the time that I knew he would probably be getting home from work. And it, it, I like when I think back on that, I'm like, I am so funny. <laughs> I can't believe I did something like that. And then, you know, I improved upon the method with, okay, so now I found this thing called zombies, comma, run. And it's like a, an interactive thing you can there put you in are. your phone where like, as you run, there are zombies chasing you. 
And um, at certain points in time, like they'll, you could start hearing them in the background and the person in your ear will say, zombies, <laughs> and you have to like pick up the pace and your phone will tell you if you are or running faster that the zombies aren't going to get you. Yes, and then this whole story it has a narrative. There you go. I like had to shoot this woman that he loved because she became a zombie, and like it's so fun. And that really became one of the reasons why I like started running again a couple of years later when I was no longer living <laughs> near that ex. And um, and so I think like the concept of the secondary goal is important, but you wouldn't need that if you could just work on the yeah the intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Yep. It's so funny what we do as human beings, like the behaviors that we. The things we do, the reasons why we do it. It's definitely hilarious. And that's that's really why I try to take a, more of a lighthearted approach in, in how people approach this stuff. Because I think there's also a misconception that, you know, digging into the spiritual or the shadow self and all of that needs to be this like heavy, um, intense, yeah. like hard thing to do. And yes, there are hard parts of it. Yeah, no, you're so right. That's a really good point to make that, you know, people who might be um, timid to work with you mm -hmm. or with me regarding whatever it is, the goal that mm -hmm. they have to set. Um, it's, it's not that it's not painful because mm -hmm. it is, it's called you mm -hmm. know, inner work, work for a reason, but it doesn't like, it's not something that is put all on your mm -hmm. plate all at once, you know, it's, you don't get you don't get everything and you don't walk into biochemistry 101 and get the entire content for the whole class for 16 weeks in one day and then given an exam yes yeah. like that's we you know it the you you kind of i'm sure you do the same thing spacing out what you know your client can and cannot mm -hmm. handle and i always tailor that as well too so really like if anyone's listening out there who's interested in you know working with michelle um it's not it's not as painful as you might think yep yeah, sense. exactly. And it does, like you said, it takes work. It takes discipline and, and love and understanding that it's a process. It's ongoing. And we call it practices, especially in mindfulness and meditation for a reason, because you're constantly mm -hmm. practicing each day is a new opportunity to chip away and just take little steps forward and keep progressing. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, so I think um, we covered everything, and this was a really cool, like, this is a really interesting podcast episode. I'm really excited about it. So uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and where you'd like them to follow you or, you know. Yeah, for sure. I am Rewire and Inspire across all platforms. So uh, in, Instagram is my primary outlet that I, I'm really involved in. I um, recently went on TikTok at Rewire and Inspire, which I love and have a lot of fun with. <laughs> That's what I wanted yeah. to talk to you about. You are the most consistent content poster. <laughs> like, I know two people like you. I know two. Out of everyone I know, I know a lot of people. And I, she has the funniest TikToks. They are, like, great. And they're so motivational. And, I mean, they're, like, daily. Yeah. I've never not seen one of her TikToks. It's a, a daily thing for oh, me now. It's that. so funny. So, yeah, definitely follow her. But she posts them to Instagram, yes, yes, too. Yes, yes, so. yes. Yeah. So all across Rewire and Inspire and uh, please DM. I'm all about the DMs. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be super formal. Reach out. We're here for you and we'd love to chat. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, if you're listening. And like she said, you can find her on all platforms at Rewire and Inspire. <laughs>